Right, and we're seeing whistleblowers coming out of gender clinics that are saying it's not just autism, but other mental disorders are being, you know, fed down this gender pipeline. We're talking about schizophrenia, we're talking about BPD. Hey, Joyful Warriors. Welcome to the Joyful Warrior podcast. Today, we are going to chat with one of the founders and contributors of the Paradox Institute, Cynthia Brehenny. And Cynthia and um, another gentleman that she works with, Zachary Elliott, um, created uh, the, the Paradox Institute in 2020. And it's an independent science education group focused on helping people learn about the biology of sex and the difference between between males and females. And they have, they say, from cleanly illustrated animated videos to long form essays, we provide digestible scientific content on the most fundamental and controversial research in the biology of sex differences. And so moms and dads and anybody listening to the podcast, um, if you've been listening, we have tackled this issue before. As many of you know, in America's public schools around the country, gender ideology is being taught. This idea of gender ideology, money parents are saying, wait a second, we've never even heard of this before. Why is this being introduced to our children? Why certainly is this being introduced to our youngest children? And and many of you may know with Moms for Liberty, we're headed to Montgomery County, Maryland uh, this week to be able to go and have a town hall there to kind of highlight the fact that in Montgomery County, you can't opt your children out of some of this instruction. So this means that you've got kindergarten kids who are going to be reading books about gender ideology that tells them that they may have been born in the wrong body. Body, which we know is absolute false nonsense, um, or that they uh, could be something other than a boy or a girl, that maybe they could be a boy and a girl or, or neither, or maybe as you and I know, listeners, I joke, but it's really not funny, maybe a tree today. Um, and I can't think of anything more destabilizing than telling a very young child that something that seems to be fact to them that their parents have supported since they were born uh, is maybe not real. And, and not something uh, that their parents were maybe wrong about what sex they were born or the doctor that their parents trust was wrong about what sex they were born. And so I'm really excited to, to have Cynthia join us today to run us through um, a few of the different things the Paradox Institute is working on. So Cynthia, welcome mm -hmm. to the Joyful Warrior podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you were drawn to do this work? Okay. Thank you, Tiffany. Um, so I'm an artist by trade, but what drew me into this whole discourse in the first place was because of my own issues with gender dysphoria and what I was seeing online with, oh, trans women are real women and things like that. And I was like, that's not true. Like they don't really believe that, do they? And um, just getting into it and hoping that maybe if people just, you know, heard about people who didn't transition like me, who had gender dysphoria, like maybe that would change the minds. And maybe if people just had some discourse and, and opened up and were honest with each other and logical that they would see that this was all kind of nonsense. And no, I realize people are very ideological right now about that. Um, so then my goal was just to educate as much as possible and so I started working with Zach on a pamphlet project to debunk the myths of gender affirming care recently. And we also did the self cloud to combat the gender bred person and things like that. So 
we can talk about that more. Yeah, wonderful. We continue to believe, and you know, we deal. We talk to a lot of moms and dads around the country, and once they're given accurate information about this idea of gender ideology or gender dysphoria, um, and, and they're told what the real long-term harms are of gender-affirming care, as it is called, this idea of a social transition that schools are transitioning kids in school behind the backs of parents, um, the idea that you can somehow change your sex, which we know is an impossibility, and then the horrible harms. Of of puberty blockers, uh, which stunt mm-hmm. the development, the natural development of a child, and then cross-sex hormones, which really leave uh, children and young adults sterile in many in many cases. Um, and, and the surgeries and the medical transition, and, and how that again, lifelong medical patients. That when parents hear the truth. Uh, about yeah. these types of steps that are being taken or being supported by different medical associations, they stop for a second. And they say, "Wait." That doesn't sound so great. But Cynthia, a lot of parents are being told that if they don't let their child go through gender transition, then they may take their own life. And so um, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you guys have put these resources together because I, I think really empowering parents is so key. So I'm going to share my screen now and I want to share this. You have a lot of information on your website. I'm going to go to the homepage first. Um, okay. And, and we will share uh, that. Let's see if we can bring this up here. There we go. So this is a beautiful logo. I really like the pink and the green. No, I really do. I think it's really interesting and it really draws your eye. I think all of the information that you're sharing actually is really um, great information. And we may actually embed one of the videos in the podcast. So Cynthia, I'm going to navigate now to the gender uh, affirming uh, care pamphlet. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to click on this menu here and it's going Mm -hmm. to give me some options. So I'm going to go first to print to find the gender Mm -hmm. affirming. Okay, great. And so parents, if you're watching this, you can go to print and you can see they have the Paradox Press and there are some different resources here. Um, And we're just going to go down to the pamphlets. And there we have the myths of gender affirming care. So we're going to click on that and take a look at at what this is. So you say you have 20,000 professional prints to distribute. So if you're listening and you want to get some copies of this to be able to share in your local community, reach out to theparadoxinstitute.com. And and, uh, there's an email contact there. You can contact them. We're going to view this pamphlet together and, and what you say is sex difference research illuminated. So before we start, there's a QR code here. Cynthia, tell me, what is that QR code for? So the QR code will take you to the page on the website, and um, it's on every physical pamphlet. So when it takes you there, you can see the pamphlet page along with all of the cited sources that back up all of the claims in the pamphlet. Um, and that goes to the desistance rates, the effects of puberty blockers, the Tavistock clinic, all of that stuff is listed in the citations. So why don't you run us through the pamphlet a little bit, if you could. I'd love for you just to kind of walk us through some of the information here. So for listeners who may not be able to see the screen. So as you can see, it says there that, um, you know, what gender dysphoria is basically just a condition where a person feels incongruence with their biological sex. And you can see here at the bottom, it talks about the comorbidities that come with it, that a lot of times 
right now anyway, seem to be mistaken for gender dysphoria or reasons that you have gender dysphoria. It's very odd that they're doing this, but eating disorders can be a factor, anxiety disorders, autism spectrum, childhood trauma. Um, The statistics on childhood trauma are pretty alarming. Um, But uh, yeah, so that gets covered, which a lot of people don't talk about. We see this, you know, glitter family and the trans child and everything, but we don't talk about these other underlying potential causes or any distress otherwise that the child might be experiencing or anything that could be driving these feelings. And then we have the affirmative care harms for children and teens and how these treatments are not safe and effective and how they can affect the body and psychology of the kids that are being given these treatments. Um, And then on the right, we can see the rates for kids who are transitioning and have gender dysphoria going up and how a few countries have already like shut down pediatric transition. And then we cover the really heinous myth, a trans child or a dead child, which they love to tell parents, do you want a trans son or a dead daughter? Do you want a trans daughter or dead son? And that stems from homophobia and terribly regressive sex stereotypes. You know, little boys can't wear pink or play with dolls and girls can't play with trucks or like science. No, no, no. That means that you're trans actually. So um, yeah, we cover that as well. Wonderful. So you have, uh, this pamphlet is available to you parents to take a look at. And I just think this is so important. You know, yeah. I, the, I, don't, I don't know that parents and community members across the United States realize that Norway, Sweden, and Finland have halted uh, pediatric transition, um, that the Tavistock Clinic in the UK was shut down. And when you talk about the comorbidities, let's just dive into that for a second. You know, much like suicide, which never happens because of only one reason, right? That it's right. always a multifaceted. You know, when children are presenting with gender dysphoria, um, you're right. There are so many different factors that oftentimes come into play that are ignored. I was uh, able to go on to Dr. Phil with Tina Deskovich, the co-founder of Moms for Liberty, to speak about parental rights. And mm-hmm. I, I've done that. I've been on Dr. Phil twice now, so that's wild. Wow. I know. <laughs> and But you're allowed to ask him one question. And the one question that I asked him was, um, you know, what do you say about this ex- the extremely high rate of children with autism uh, presenting with gender dysphoria? Because in Tavistock, mm-hmm. I know that the rate was extremely high with girls, um, and it's even harder to diagnose autism with girls. So you know that the right. rate was probably higher than what they actually had uh, noted um, in, the, in the patient files. And mm-hmm. so can we chat a little bit about, and, and you talked about childhood trauma, what are some right. of the... What are some of the things that we're seeing happening with kids in America right now where gender dysphoria seems to be the place that they're landing and certainly the medical and, and pharmacy uh, pharmaceutical uh, institutions uh, don't mind it because it's uh, like a $2 billion business. So, right. um, But our kids are being left not being helped with some of these issues. Right. And we're seeing whistleblowers coming out of gender clinics that are saying it's not just 
autism, but other mental disorders are being, you know, fed down this gender pipeline. We're talking about schizophrenia. We're talking about BPD. We're talking about like all kinds of things, like even eating disorders. Eating disorders. Oh, it'll all yeah. be cured with this snake oil that is gender affirming care. Um, and it it's terrible because it actually increases the risks for mental illness, dementia, and uh, suicidality. So it it's terrible to put kids on this that are already distressed. And I, I honestly have been struggling more and more to be okay with adults who are distressed going through gender affirming care, because we're seeing that it's not really solving a whole lot for people, no matter what age you are. Um, so yeah, it, it's not, you know, autism in particular too, presents differently in girls, like you said, and it makes girls more things oriented and it can make you easily influenced because you want to try and figure out like why you're not fitting in, why you're not picking up on social cues. And especially with girls, that can be so subtle. That's one reason why I had so much trouble making friends with girls when I was growing up and it made me feel so disconnected from other females and, Oh, maybe it's because I was meant to be a boy. No, <laughs> it's, it's just because, you know, everybody can be different. There's always going to be outliers and things like that, but nope, this, this promises that, Oh, you'll definitely fit in. If you take this medicine, of course, it's going to be appealing to kids that are misfits or kids that are troubled. All girls want to try to fit in. I mean, that's just part of yeah. high school. You want to have friends and you want to try to fit in and you're right. And, and you know, I remember being um, 11, 12, 13, puberty was not fun. It was no. not easy. <laughs> I certainly didn't feel like it was my body anymore. My body was changing and I didn't have control over it. And that means that yeah. people start looking at you in a different way as a girl too, as a young woman. And that can be really hard. Um, because Absolutely. you're used to being a kid and, and we're putting so much pressure on these kids mm -hmm. to make these decisions that they're really not ready to make. And as parents, it's our job to try to help to put up some guardrails to support right. them, but you're right. And so a couple of things that I've been seeing, um, and, and maybe you have some resources and you can guide us on the website, um, the love bomb aspect of coming out as trans in school, right? So you've got these kids who yeah. maybe aren't fitting in and then they come out as trans and all of a sudden what happens? Right. Then they, you know, get bombarded, especially right now with all the messaging of, oh, pure acceptance, pure happiness. Now you know who you are. This is your truth. And so, oh, okay, so this is my truth. That means everything else must have been a lie. And so that already starts to kind of turn this, this child against every foundational thing that they've had up to this point. If this is your truth and these people are the ones who are really accepting you, well, what was your family doing? What was your life up to now? What was your, you know, your sex or your gender up to now? Oh, must have all been a lie. Ugh. So it, it's so insidious and it, it's very subtle. 
it's very subtle. So I've been a mom. I've carried four children, one girl, three boys. When I was pregnant with my daughter, my body reacted to having a female growing in my body differently than my, Mm -hmm. I did with the boys. I had different symptoms, different pregnancy issues, right? Just different. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and I've often wondered, right, that, that the testosterone that you have in your body, um, and, and the way that testosterone makes you feel is, feel is interesting. And one of the things I just saw some research that came out, um, that was trying to say that, uh, the rate of suicidality went down and it was a very short study. Um, I think it was like three months and I'll try to put it up in the, the, the link here, but it was talking about, it was talking about girls transitioning. And Mm -hmm. taking testosterone, and my understanding is, is that when you go on testosterone, you do for a time get a real bump in. It's a high. It's a high. Can you talk a little bit about what you guys are seeing? Because that's very concerning. Because so you've got a kid who says they want to transition. You put them on testosterone. All of a sudden, they feel great. Right. But it's false, isn't it? Yes. So the way you can think (laughs) about it is. testosterone is kind of an upper and estrogen is kind of a downer. So estrogen can make you feel more tired and things like that. Plus your cycles and things are very erratic when you're a teenager. So your energy level is kind of all over the place. So then when you get put on testosterone, you're pretty consistent. You feel super energized. You know, your, your blood, (laughs) actually your blood cells are affected, your red blood cell count. So, you know, you're really pumping, (laughs) you're ready to go. Right. Um, and so we're seeing, you know, oh, and the other thing is your emotions kind of get muted or, well, I've heard from some detransitioners that it gets pretty severely muted. Um, so you're not as emotional. You don't cry. You don't really feel as, I guess, sad and things like that as often. But what you do get is angry. So you feel this hypersexuality and you're, you've got kind of a short fuse and then you've got all this energy. So of course, somebody, you know, comes up to you and they ask you how you're feeling. You're like, oh, I feel really happy and this and that. And then if they challenge your transition at that point, something you're kind of insecure about, or maybe it's a sore spot because you feel like it's working for you, they're going to react really aggressively about that. And we've seen that from some of these younger women that have been on tea and things like that. They can be very aggressive and, and loud and kind of combative and that's a contributing factor probably. So. Yeah. It's crazy to me because it's such a short term effect. Uh, the long term mm-hmm. effects of ton- of testosterone on, on women are not oh, good, yeah. but that short term bump gives this false sense of success or of um, value to the, to this idea of the therapy. And it's very, very concerning. And so for anyone that's listening right. now, that's saying, well, what is it that you guys want? We want talk therapy. We want kids to yes. wait and watch and to discuss the things that they're dealing with. And so one of the concerns has been, Cynthia, that this information is being introduced at a very young age in school. And one of the tools that's been used has been uh, the gender-bred person. And so we're going to come here now to to read a little bit. And this is in the read section of your website, the self-cloud. This is something that Zachary Elliott wrote. Can you um, tell us a little bit about the self-cloud? So the self-cloud was something that Zach and I came up with to combat the gender-bred person because it always seems like the way they use gender is just basically your personality or your self-expression. 
And it's so regressive. It's like, oh, your interests, your interests drive your gender identity and things like that. Um, but that's just that's just interest and expression. It, it's got nothing to do with your sex. It's got nothing to do with, you know, how people perceive you and things like that in terms of like, you know, you as a, as just an individual walking down the street or, or as, you know, something foundational really. So, um, we broke it down into something really digestible for really young kids. So, uh, we made it run <laughs> and we've got these little clouds here and one is interests, one is your sex and one is expression. And so expression is things that you wear or, you know, your hairdo or just things that you kind of decorate yourself with. And then your interests are things that you like to do and things that you, you know, are interested in. And then your sex, we say here, you can't change that about yourself, but that's okay. And, um, that there are only two sexes, but that there's, you know, variation in height and weight and the shape of your body and things like that. So, um, yeah, just kind of trying to make it simple. And then we encourage kids to, to draw their own little self cloud and decorate it with, you know, whatever they want to put on it, like trucks or music notes or ribbons. So yeah, it's just a cute little resource that kids can use now. So incredibly important. I mean, the, the idea as a mom, again, I've got four kids, the idea that you, I would ever tell my kids, because you like a certain thing that you might be born in the wrong body. I had a daughter first. She had a lot of girl toys. Um, mm -hmm. you know, people give you stuff and, and she was interested right, in yeah. baby doll. She had a lot, she, you know, and are there toys that she had that I may not have had in my house because of the boys? Yes, absolutely. There's just no doubt about it. But did the boys play with those toys when they were little? They absolutely did. Did I ever wonder or think for one second that somehow my boy was actually born in the wrong body and was mentally a girl because he wanted to play with his sister's you know, makeup uh, right. organizer or, you know, picked up a, a baby doll and, you know, wanted to pretend like he was right. breastfeeding because I breastfed all the kids. Never once yeah. did I ever think that. Well, so go ahead. What people forget is that toys and play, it's how kids are kind of processing adulthood, like what they're seeing around them, the world around them. And it's just like animals, animals like play fight and play hunt and, you know, people are no different. They're right. doing the same thing. And your parents are the first introduction that you have into the world. So whatever you see your parents doing or the people in your household, you're going to be like acting those things out and playing with them. So if, you know, a little boy picks up dolls and he wants to play house, well, he sees house being played out around him every day. Right. That doesn't mean anything. Um, if a little girl wants to pick up a truck and whatever she sees cars and trucks on the road every day. That doesn't mean that she, you know, wants to go be a big burly truck driver or something. Well, and so, she sees her mom driving yeah. a car. I mean, uh, yeah. So yeah. I just think you're right. And we've made so much progress, Cynthia, uh, as women um, to, mm -hmm. you know, be able to, to really do anything that we, it is that we want to do, not to become a man, but to certainly right. to be able to do jobs that were, uh, you exactly. know, really male dominated, you know, fields, but that women, have made huge advances in if they choose to do that. And that's something that they love to do. And, and we've been able to do that. And the idea that we're telling our daughters somehow that um, they might be born in the wrong body if they like to do certain things that 
um, you know, maybe we would more directly connect with, with men or a male dominated field. It's just crazy to me. The idea that you would tell your son, you know, uh, that he might be a, a girl because he likes the color pink is crazy and regressive and, and makes me feel as a woman that we, we had made so much progress and now it feels like we're just taking steps back. Absolutely. And it, it's a little scary, honestly, to think about the fact that we're, you know, just bringing in grown men into women's sports, that we are, you know, bringing men into women's prisons and we're taking away the words that women have like mother and you know, breastfeeding and childbirth and all of those things are like being taken to make them more inclusive. And, you know, all of that, it's it's so tragic because we're so lacking in healthcare for women already in like fields like gynecology. Like we're just finding out things like heart attacks presenting differently in women and medical, uh, you know, conditions presenting differently and dosages for medication needing to be different for women. And I think it's, her name's Jessica Pinn. She's a little bit um, intense as a person will say, but she just had things like the clitoris included in, in gynecology textbooks because they didn't think it was medically relevant <laughs> until recently. And it's like, that's part of our body. Of course it's medically relevant. Of course it's relevant to our anatomy and our health and things like that. And by obfuscating these things and taking them away, taking away the language and and acting like it's not important and muddying that water, we do real damage to people. We are, you know, taking steps backwards in healthcare instead of taking steps forwards. We're pretending that these things are just kind of like, oh, for some reason, these, all these same, you know, body parts just happen to be on one type of person. It's like, Come on. <laughs> it's, it's and, you know, you've, you've just recently had a baby. I've carried yeah. and, and had four children. Um, it's amazing what your body can do as a woman. It's unique yeah. and it's special. Um, and it's something that we should celebrate as a society. And it's not something that we should try to take away from or to delegitimize in any way. And so I push back really hard. I am not yeah. a bearer or a birthing person. I am a woman exactly. and a mother. Um, and I and I wear those badges really proudly. So I, I said at the beginning, we may include a video at the beginning. We may do it now here. You've got some amazing videos on sex differences and they are so clear and concise. And again, I like that right. the pink and the green. I like how it, it becomes very easy easy for people to see. It's very digestible information. So if people were coming to this part of your website, you say in illustrated animated videos, we explore topics in the biology of sex while countering the denial of biology in the mainstream culture. Our videos include Mm -hmm. the evolution of male and female, the developmental biology of the two sexes in the womb, and the analysis of sex differences in medicine, sports, and more. And so who are these videos targeted for? Are these mostly videos for adults? Are these videos for teens, for kids? Is there a, are there any videos that you feel would be a good starting place for people? I would say these videos are for probably middle school and up, Okay, I would say, especially for kids that have more of an interest in science would be the types of kids that might think these are um, interesting. We're planning on making ones that are for younger kids. Great. Um, we've got that in the works. Uh, but 
Yeah, these are pretty digestible for most people generally. We try to make things easy to understand, give clear definitions, put things into layman's terms as much as possible. Um, and I think, gosh, the one of the best ones to start with would probably just be what why sex is binary. This one right here. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. let's take a look for a second. The binary is a system composed of two parts, a duality, a pair. In developmental biology, sex is binary. Here's why. An organism's sex is defined as the type of gamete their reproductive anatomy is organized to produce. Male bodies develop towards the production of small gametes, sperm, whereas female bodies develop towards the production of large gametes, ova. Because there are no intermediate gametes between sperm and eggs, such as the often joked about sperg or spegs, there are therefore only two sexes. In humans, the sexual dimorphism is so consistent that 99.98% of births are unambiguously male or female. As developmental biologist Dr. Emma Hilton and evolutionary biologist Dr. Colin Wright note, quote, the evolutionary function of these two anatomies is to aid in reproduction via the fusion of sperm and ova. No third type of sex cell exists in humans, and therefore, there is no sex spectrum or additional sexes beyond male and female. Sex is binary." Unquote. To understand how this binary system is produced, let's explore the process of sex determination. Sex in humans is genetically determined at conception, solely by the presence or absence of a functioning SRY gene, which is located on the short arm of the Y chromosome. With SRY activation, the gonads differentiate into testes, and the fetus develops anatomy to support the production of small gametes. In the absence of SRY activation, the gonads differentiate into ovaries, and the fetus develops anatomy to support the production of large gametes. This is why developmental biologists refer to SRY as the master switch gene for mammalian sex determination because without its activation, the fetus develops as a female. The critical importance of SRY for sex determination can be seen in differences of sex development. Here's three examples. One, on very rare occasions, a fetus may develop with two X chromosomes and one Y, or three X's and one Y, or even four X's and one Y. Despite the extra X chromosome, all these cases develop as males thanks to the presence of SRY on the Y chromosome. Two, sometimes a translocation of the SRY gene results in it being placed on an X chromosome in a fetus with only two X chromosomes. Thanks to the presence of SRY, the fetus develops testicular tissue despite having no Y chromosome. Three, in exceptional cases, a fetus may develop a female phenotype with an XY karyotype. Because the SRY gene remained inactive, they developed as females. Thanks to the master switch SRY gene, we can see that sex determination is entirely dimorphic. However, this does not exclude variation within the binary system. Sex differences between males and females are commonplace. There is variation of chromosomes, gene expression, gonadal tissue, hormone production, genital morphology, height, weight, 
voice pitch, muscle mass, bone density, and more. But no matter the variation of traits, the principle remains. Sex is defined by the type of gamete your anatomy is organized to produce. Two gamete types, two sexes. As Hilton and Wright note, quote, not everyone needs to be discreetly assignable to one or the other sex in order for biological sex to be functionally binary. To assume otherwise, to confuse secondary sexual traits with biological sex itself is a category error, unquote. Such boundaries in biology can be fuzzy, but the boundaries of gametes are clear. Or as evolutionary biologist Dr. Heather Hying writes, quote, the boundaries between species are almost always fuzzy. The moment of change when one species becomes two is rarely known. It is this fuzziness, in part, that explains why we have so many species concepts. So many species concepts, but only two types of gametes. In animals, the borders between gamete types aren't fuzzy. Gametes are always male or female. There is no in-between." This is why sex is binary. Not because there is no spectrum of human body types. There is. Sex is binary because there are only two gamete types bodies can be organized around, sperm and eggs. If, however, you happen to find the mythical intermediate gametes, spurgs or spegs, let us know. I'm Zach for the Paradox Institute. So, Cynthia, that's an amazing video. So clear, so direct. Really like how Zach presents the information in a very non-emotional way, just very factual. I also see mm -hmm. that you have um, some different syndromes here. There are different things that happen in the development of human beings that right. you know, we hear sometimes that, you know, it's not, you know, th that people want to make an argument that, you know, there are, are different things that happen in human development and growth and that there are exceptions. They, it's a very small percentage of, of people um, that would that have different syndromes or that would qualify as mm -hmm. intersex. But I see you drive in here a little bit. Can you talk about that? So people will bring this up in two ways. The first is to use these edge cases, these uh, fringe medical conditions as, oh, well, C-sex isn't binary because we have these different chromosomes. And what they're doing is equating chromosomes with sexes, which they are not. Um, your sex is determined by the genes within the chromosomes. You can think about chromosomes as a container and the genes within them are kind of the ingredients. Um, and so sometimes those genes can get translocated and things like that or shut off. And because your sex is, a, is an antagonistic system, you can only ever develop as male or female. So whichever one it ends up going down whichever pathway your sex develops. Um, that's the one that is going to determine your phenotype and everything else. And it's going to change your body. So that's what ends up happening with these where you have abnormal chromosomes and things like that. And they often come with other symptoms that can be life-threatening in some cases, like heart issues or um, things that you have to be, like for example, Klinefelter's has to be on testosterone because the way it affects their body is it can cause organ failure and things like that if they're not getting proper testosterone levels. So um, yeah, people will use these as an example 
of why sex isn't binary, especially since they can cause, you know, some opposite sex development like gynecomastia or some ambiguous genitalia at birth and things like that. But it's not. You can still determine that person's sex um, upon further medical inspection. And it's not something that, you know, is super, super invasive or anything like that. Um, And like in the case of uh, 5ARD, that resolves around puberty, Um, or at least like the ambiguity tends to resolve around puberty. Um, But anyway, so they, they bring that up like, oh, this is why sex isn't binary, not knowing that you can still clearly determine that person's sex and that it's very regressive to say, oh, because you have this condition, you're a lesser male or you're in between or you're actually female. And it's, it's so offensive and so regressive to say that because these are medical conditions and these people do need health care to help them exist <laughs> and right. to keep living and things like that. So it's crazy to say, oh, well, you know, you're not really a male because you have Kleinfelters. And, you know, they have it hard enough. They don't need to be dragged into it by these people, by these ideologues. I met a gentleman um, the other day with Kleinfelders and it was very interesting. We had a, an interesting discussion and he was frustrated by the fact that yeah. he felt that somehow, you know, he didn't exist anymore because he didn't fit into the boxes now that other people right. are trying to create. And it's so exactly. frustrating. Um, I felt, I really um, did feel for him. And the other way that they try to bring this up is, well, these aren't, you know, disorders to say that they're disorders means that there's something wrong with them. And that's not true. It's not like a, it's not a judgment. It's a fact that their sex, you know, your sex, just like any other uh, system in your body, because your, your reproductive system, we think of that um, differently now for some reason as just individual parts, but it's like your cardiovascular system. You know, if there was something that was disordered there, we wouldn't be like, oh, well, you know, you're judging them because you're calling it a disorder. No, it's a disorder of development. And that's fine. We need to figure out how to help them. And because we know what sex they are, we know how to treat their condition successfully. We can't treat a man with Kleinfelters as though he's a woman. That's (laughs) that's not going to help him. That would probably kill him. So um, yeah, it's insane that they do this to try and like, again, push this label of like bigotry on people when you're actually just trying to find out the truth and the best way to help someone. I think this is one of the most important issues that we're dealing with, um, globally. Um, and on your website, when, when you say why it matters, uh, you write the denial of the two sexes is one of the fundamental issues of our time. It has never been more important to have an educated public on how sex differences impact individuals and society. Understanding the sexes is critical for psychological health, social relationships, accurate medical research, the correct reporting of crime. These are very, very important issues. And the decisions that we make today are going to affect the way that uh, civilization and society continue going forward. Um, So really, we're at a very critical time. Yeah. I, I wrote about that in an article, actually, how it's this hydra that's got heads popping up everywhere. Like I've got a friend in medical school right now, and he's talking about how they're talking to them about, you know, the patient's gender identity is more important 
than accurately sexing. Not if you have an ovarian cyst that's bursting and you're trying to present as a man and they can't help. Exactly. Horrible things that can happen to you as a woman that if you're saying you're a man, they would never be, they would never know what would actually be happening and be able to diagnose and treat you. So craziness, craziness, Cynthia. But I'm just going to tell you, I think your website is fantastic. The materials are fantastic. We're so excited to be able to share it on the podcast with our chapters around the country, with other parents, because parents are searching for factual information. And, And again, the saddest thing that's happening to me is the fact that they're not getting accurate information. I just want parents to be told the truth. And then you can make a decision for yourself about whether or not you think this is the right thing for your child, if it's legal in your state. But the, but the truth is important because no parent should be forced to make a decision about something and be lied to about the information right. when they're making that decision. They deserve the truth. Right. And we've seen this ideological push with things like, you know, in the media, Jazz Jennings, I am jazz. My mom was a really big TRA for a while because of I am jazz. And so when I was making the myths of gender affirming care pamphlet that helped me kind of break things down to her, um, in a way that was more understandable from her perspective. And then she, it was in direct conflict with what that show was telling her, you know, that, oh, jazz is doing great. Jazz is doing great. And it's all super fun and fantastic and harmless. And, you know, you look at Jazz Jennings and what's happened to him. And I don't know why people don't question it more. They try to push it off like, oh, it's just because he's having a hard time because of unrelated things. And it's like, no, that poor baby. I, what his mother did to him, it, really breaks my heart. Well, and I think, Cynthia, honestly, as a mom, you try to do your best by your children and you try to take advice from people. You try to read, you try to research, you try to learn. This is why this issue is Mm -hmm. so incredibly challenging because you have the American Medical Association, you have the American Academy of Pediatrics, you have these hospitals around the country and every therapist. I mean, I've spoken to so many different therapists who say, we'll lose our license if we come out against. Yeah, that's true. In California, they just passed AB 957, which says that if you do not affirm your child's want to change their gender, that you can lose custody of your child. This is craziness that's happening. We are going to stop this madness. I promise you that. And it's going to be because of moms and dads and people like you and Zach putting out this information. So we're incredibly thankful for you again. I know that Zach has written a book. Can you share a little bit of information? Can you show us the book? Where can we get the book? So you can find links to the book um, on his website, but you can find it on Google Play and on Amazon. Um, You can get it in hardcover, softcover, or a digital copy. It's called Binary. Uh, debunking the sex spectrum. And it basically goes through all of the popular sex spectrum myths that you hear. And a lot of the the big arguments like the stop using phony science to debunk um, trans identities or whatever it was that article was called. It was some absurd scientific American article. Um, He's actually got a video on that one too. But basically he talks about the arguments that they make and then he shows at the end of each chapter how to break them down concisely and the types of argumentative strategies that these people are using. And it's to help educate people on what they're doing, this 
this manipulation of information and how to combat it in a really easy way. Cause it can be overwhelming. They throw so many words at you and make you feel stupid. <laughs> well, like, and, and, and they try yeah. to trap you within a political party on this issue, which is right. ridiculous. This is not a political yeah. issue. I don't care if you're a Democrat, if you're be. a Republican and independent, this is not a political issue. Again, every parent deserves to have factual information, unbiased information. Um, buy the book, go to the paradoxinstitute.com. Um, paradoxinstitute.com. Check out the information that they have there. Request the pamphlets if you want to pass them out. You can print things from there. You can donate mm-hmm. uh, to Cynthia and Zach to support the work that they're doing because it's so incredibly important to have independent groups doing this type of work, sharing this information so that we can get factual hands into the uh, factual, excuse me, information into the hands of parents and community members. And again, um, the tide is turning on this issue, Cynthia, and it's because of people like you and Zach and Colin Wright and Jay Richards and Chris Elston and Miriam Grossman and all of these people that are speaking out and standing up and fighting back. Mm -hmm. And And if anyone wants to uh, write an article or anything like that and submit it to us for publication, we've been accepting articles. So please feel free to do that if you've got anything that you want to get out there. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And again, go donate, support. Um, the tide is turning on this issue and it's only a matter of time uh, and, and a question as to how many children uh, are affected before we're able to stop this madness in the United States. And you listen to Chloe Cole and other detransitioners that tell their stories and they're incredibly brave. Uh, support them if you can. Um, and, you know, they're traveling around speaking and, and testifying on bills and different committees and speaking before boards of medicine and really sharing that it, it's not all rainbows, that there's a dark side to this. Um, and that uh, the idea that any child is born in the wrong body is just nonsense. And as moms and dads, we know this in our hearts and in our minds. And so my last message to parents is trust yourself. If you're struggling with this issue, if your child is struggling with this issue, trust um, that you as the parent have the tools and the knowledge to guide them through this. You need to parent gender dysphoria like you would parent any other mental distress that your child is going through with love and acceptance, but also uh, discipline and a a firm guiding hand. Uh, They need that from you. So go to the Paradox Institute if you have questions, concerns. If your child's in middle school or high school, watch some videos with them if they have questions uh, about these issues that are coming up in their lives. And Cynthia, we look forward to having you back on when you do some of the videos for the younger kids. Um, Unfortunately, the truth is that kids are being introduced to this at very young ages and parents are looking for ways to combat this information. So the self-cloud is great. We appreciate that. We'll be sharing it and we appreciate you. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Tiffany.